0: Warning, the content and views expressed on the lab by host and guest is strictly for entertainment and educational purposes and should not be mistaken as financial advice. A guest appearance by representatives of crypto projects or any other organization does not constitute an endorsement by the Alchemist project. We strongly encourage all of our listeners to perform their own due diligence and consult a qualified professional when considering any investments of any kind. Welcome back to the lab podcast brought to you by the Alchemist Coin Project. My name is Savon Springer and I'll be your host as we dive deep into the why behind the top builders, innovators, contributors and communities in the crypto and blockchain ecosystem. Let's get into it. But first, a quick word from our partners. The Crucible NFT project is pioneering next-gen NFTs, combining utility and generative art to create something truly unique. The Crucible is a smart wallet that allows you to subscribe to multiple rewards programs at once, providing you with a safer and more seamless DeFi experience. Plus, you get access to your very own generative art crucible, which evolves over time as you interact with your crucible. It is truly spectacular. See what all the hype is about and head to crucible.alchemist.wtf and mint your crucible today. Now for those at the back, that's crucible.alchemist.wtf and share your crucible with us on Twitter using the hashtag NextGenNFTs. Great day, great day. Welcome back to the lab. It's Savon Smear here, your host, and you know how we do it around here. We sit down with the top builders, contributors, uh, movers, and shakers in this crypto space. Web three NFTs, all of that, and we break down their processes how they're seeing things, uh, and their tips for how to successfully build in this ecosystem. And if there's ever been a time where that is critical advice, now may just be that time. So before we get into it today with our special guest, and uh, and I'm partial to this one because as much as new things come about in this space and there is a ton of innovation in this sector, everything is still built upon particular foundational pieces, bedrock structures that everything must interact on. And uh, and today's guest is definitely integral and working on something uh, I think is pretty cool in that uh, wheelhouse. So before we jump into that, let me go over some of our Alchemist community updates for the week. So update number one, Alchemist is incubating a new product. All right. Now, as it already stands, there is Copper, the launch platform. We have the Crucible. All right. And there is coming soon a new product. So if you want to learn more about that, go to uh, blog.alchemist.wtf and you can actually read up on that new product and what it's going to be. Now, details at this moment are still a little bit sparse, but it revolves around NFTs and increasing the liquidity around NFT markets. All right. So that's announcement number one. Number two. Mist X, the famed Dex, one of the, if not the, now don't quote me, but one of, for sure, the first Dex is to build in maximum extractable value, MEV, front-running protection. The Mist X Dex is being sunsetted. So what does that mean? It effectively means that that project is now coming to a close and those resources are going to be redirected throughout the rest of the Alchemist ecosystem. So it is not a goodbye. Perhaps it is a see you later. Uh, In either case, it is a farewell for now. So if you want to learn more about that, also head over to the blog and there is a more detailed write up about that particular development. Third, Crucible the Crucible project is working on a significant change as far as how the reward programs are launched. Uh, and in addition to that, there are now leaderboards that you can check in on related to the Crucible. And fourth, Copper is working on a couple of game-changing features, uh, which should be out over the next couple of months. So I would say uh, jump into the Discord for sure. You know, you can add Ree, and, uh, and I'm sure he'd be happy to answer any questions to the extent that he can about what is going on with the Copper launch platform. All right. Now, those are the updates. And without further ado, let's go ahead and let's, let's, let's introduce our guest today. So our guest uh, is a Kiwi, but that doesn't tell you very much. Right. But what this gentleman here is working on in his team, they are building a platform that really opens up. The, the internet to truly create something that is borderless. Because as I'm sure you are aware, we have VPNs, we have these tools that are supposed to allow people to be able to browse and use the internet in a in a borderless fashion, but they all come with their unique hiccups, or their unique hangups. And so what our guest today is doing is actually building out something known as the mask network, mask protocol. And they are truly leveraging decentralized technologies and blockchain technologies to provide a solution that has not yet been seen before, and it hinges upon some technology that I won't pretend to be able to explain to you as well as he can. So please, without further ado, welcome our guest, Cowrie. Great day, mate. How are you? Thank you for coming on. Yeah,
1: great day. As they say down here, good day, mate. Um, Not as (laughs) Aussie as the Aussies, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. So uh, like we always do it, if you could take a few moments and introduce yourself, uh, provide a little bit of background to the extent that you find it helpful, and then uh, give us an introduction to what you all are building with mask. Sure, sure.
1: Um, so, you know, I started the crypto journey, much like a lot of uh, builders in the space, you know, back in a couple of cycles ago now. Uh, so been in the game, you know, in the scene about six years. Um, And what attracted me straight away was the fact that, uh, you know, the blockchain technology itself was just such an amazing innovation. So for me, being very sort of technically minded and intellectual, it just uh, drew me in straight away. So as you can say, I didn't just step down the rabbit hole. I kind of just dived in, (laughs) dived down at first and I still haven't reached the bottom. I don't think anyone will. Um, But, you know, through that, I just learned so much uh, about, you know, how everything is interconnected. Uh, you know, it opened areas into stuff that we're working on now, you know, through um, you know, different ways that blockchain technology can in- integrate with real life uses, uh, web three NFTs, you know, I've kind of dabbled in it all. Um, but it's not my original background. Um, I actually went to, to university and worked for a while as a as an engineer, um, uh, which is probably where I get some of my technical um insight into things. Uh but yeah, you know, it's it's a passion of mine. And I'm always uh looking for, for ways to work with other uh, smart people in the space, you know. If you're the if you're the dumbest person in the room, that's a good thing. And often I find myself humbled by a lot of the people around uh-huh. me. So, you know, it's allowed me to grow a lot, especially in the last few years. Um, so, you know, in terms of 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 coming into mask, uh, you know, I know some of the people listening are probably starting their journeys here in, in crypto and, and in the blockchain innovation space. And uh you know, you can start from anywhere, so for me, I had no experience in crypto until I jumped on and, and first bought a little bit of Bitcoin, and I just started chatting in communities uh and If you look where I've come now, you know I'm leading a project uh called mass network and um what we're what our vision is rooted in is a borderless future where people cannot be censored or um, geo-blocked uh, from general content online. So there's there's a huge part of the world uh, where people are oppressively censored. You know, in in large countries uh, like China and like Russia, you can see some of that now with the conflict going on over there, um, and just general, um, you know, repressive regime control on people. And and it's even on simple things like not being able to access. YouTube, Google, TikTok, those those things that interconnect people. Uh, so our vision for that is that anyone can uh run our software, uh travel to any, you know, website, any service that's offered online, and be able to use it in a way that's secure, that's uh private. It's not going to reveal the personal information. But number one, and I will keep I'll probably mention it a few times, is the user experience is the most important. So you you know, blockchain has so much technical uh, aspects to it. It's a very complex space. The farther you dive in, the more complex it can be. We just want to make it as easy as possible. So the people don't need to know, the users don't necessarily need to know all the ins and outs of how it works, just that it works and that it's a good experience. So we feel like we've really achieved that now at this point, um, and we're really excited. So hopefully that gives you a bit of a, a roundup on,
0: on where we're coming from. Definitely. Thank you for that. I think that, um, you know, when people obviously nobody, very, very few people are native to this sector by default and to be native to it, you would have had to be working on encryption and, and cryptography and all of that decades ago. Um, mm-hmm. So I always find it informative to to hear about where people came from, because it usually can give you an idea of what motivated them to 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 approach the the sector or jump in in the way that they did. And so your background in engineering makes a lot of sense when talking about something that is a very technical uh, project, something that is very specification driven and has a lot of nuance to it that you won't necessarily get from some other projects that might be more focused on, you know, taking something that from a technical level might be relatively straightforward, but truly optimizing for UI or graphical interface or something to that extent. So um, from my understanding, you're one, you're the co-founder, but you're also the lead on the project. So mm. what was it? Did you, would you say that, uh, and we'll get into more about the specifics of, you know, the, the distributed mesh network and, and that sort of uh, technology that you all are working on. But what was it that made you or gave you the instinct to say, okay, we could build the best browser from a technical perspective in the world, but if the user experience is not on point, it will be for naught. So is that something that you had already learned prior in your experience? Was it something that some of these last cycles uh, made you attuned to? Was that something that you had peers on your team bring to your attention? Uh, And and what have you all decided at mass? How have y'all gone about trying to optimize that uh, experience for people?
1: Yeah, that's, a, you know, it's a very insightful question because, you know, uh, some of the roots and, and the origin story is important. And, um, you know, where, where we, we we didn't come up with the original idea. In fact, it's been, you know, in terms of the very, very core fundamental concepts, it, it's been tried and, and done in many ways uh, in the past. Um, and so there was a bit of an opportunity from the last cycle where, where another project had sort of made some progress in this area, had uh, some of the, the basis of the... Uh, of the concepts, the working concepts, um, but sort of, you know, really didn't take it far enough to make it a success. Uh, and so I was involved in, in some of those communities um, and a couple of other passionate people, uh, we became friends over the last cycle. And we said t- together, hey, you know, th- this is sort of coming to an end with this with this current uh, code base. Basically, it was a code base that was going stale. And we said, look, uh, We've always had this constructive feedback for where we think it could go. You know, the vision is sound, you know, who doesn't want a free and open internet, uh, you know, and it's true. And it's true design uh, from the original creator, right. Um, For, for the, for the web, you know, the worldwide web in itself. And so we kind of put together some minds and said, we could really try and do this guys. I mean, let's really try and uh, keep, Keep this vision alive, create our, our own team, um, get people that are passionate, that have certain skills that, that you know, that we think could, could drive us forward. And we were very blessed to keep uh, on board one of the um, core developers who was just super passionate about it just as much as us. And he's been the core, you know, tech advisor for us uh, continuing to develop it. So, you know, from those humble beginnings, we just started as a just like a really small team. Uh, just meeting, like it was actually only once a month at the beginning. Um, just talking about it, saying, "Hey, what did you guys work on? What, what what things do you think you can contribute to?" And it was like, you know, it kind of reminds me when I look at some of the old interviews of 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 um, Elon Musk and and Jeff Bezos. You know, like the, who we see is like the the elite business creators of these massive megacorps now. And they all start, you know, a lot of them started out of a garage. And I was thinking, we kind of did the same. Yeah. <laughs> we sat with group a group and just huddle once a month. And then we started getting uh, attraction from people who liked, you know, this vision. We had this idea to, to keep paving the way forward for an uncensorable internet. Um, and so, yeah, from there it developed. And uh, we had a, a unique opportunity with an advisor who, who liked us, came on board and said, look, I can, I can help you jumpstart, really jumpstart. To get yourself, you know, in a way where you'll have a basically a market where people can um, look at that and say, "I want to get involved and have an actual utility token as as a core part of it because it's it's essential in in a lot of ways on a technical basis too and um, and that propelled us forward. So you know, with that, um, I did want to point out we're proud that we we never did an ICO, we never did um, massive fundraising, public public sales, or anything. It was basically all from donations from the community, uh, from our uh, advisor who, who really helped us push forward and self-funded. And we've come all this way, I think, to us looking at the bear market ahead. Sure, it's a, it's a bit scary, but we started in a bear market. So to us, it's like, you know, a, a bit of a, a circle, circular uh, approach. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how our humble beginnings came. Um, so I'll, I'll never I'll never try and own the idea myself. It wasn't mine. To start with, but I feel like I've just uh, been raising it like a small child to uh, hopefully into it, you know, a not so boisterous teenager, a teenager that's obedient. When we (laughs) say do this code, it will do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then therein lies the difference between code and children. You want your code to be obedient. You want your children to be uh, to be wise uh, and (laughs) to be aware. And also two kudos, man, I I read through the blog post that you uh, that you wrote Back uh, maybe it was June or July of 21, where you kind of uh, were were trying to speak to your community more directly. Made that analogy uh, about the first child that, that you brought into the world and the child you'd been helping raise for nearly a decade, and how that feeling was similar in the, in the project that that you were working on. And that may seem very tangential to anybody listening, but but I think it's 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 a key thing to point out because especially in this sector, let alone technology as a whole, you see so you. So many companies or products or services pop up, but then they might disappear or fizzle out over three months, over six months, over a year. And mm. often the reason is the buy in is not there or it's not strong enough. Um, and I think part of that, and you touched on this in your article, was the underlying mission and the motivation and your relationship to that outcome, wanting to see that outcome come to fruition. And so I think it could be a good place to, to transition into. What you saw, or what the team saw, is fundamental issues. Fundamental issues with existing uh, technologies that are supposed to provide an open browsing experience. Because, you know, especially the audience that listens to this podcast uh, that are part of the Alchemist community, part of the Mask community, these are people who I would I would wager are familiar with the Tor browser, uh, are familiar with different VPNs, and I saw that you all kind of put a, a comparison sheet uh, on your GitHub. Uh, documentation, but could you walk us through what you all saw as potential downsides to these other alternatives, and how Mask uh, strives to reconcile those shortcomings?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's it's a great that's a great uh, topic to get into because um, you know all the tools we have now. Uh, they're all great, you know, and and, and any anyone who is involved with building or, or doing some kind of development, or you know, uh, I'm not going to try and quote Elon Musk all the time, like he's not my my uh, you know my idol or anything. But he did say something which I think about a lot, and he said, I really you know, in in my own words of what I remember him saying, he said, I really you know value people who build products because it's painful, it's hard. You know, you're gonna have failures, you're gonna have successes, and it's always, always iterating in a way because users will always give you feedback of, this is what worked for us, this is what didn't work, this is what we like, this is what we didn't like. So, you know, without the current tools we have, like VPN, like Tor, like other privacy tools and utilities, um, we, we wouldn't be able to build what we have at mass because all those things have taught us what works, what doesn't. So it's a natural evolution of, of, a, of a solution, uh, to, you know, to get us to where we really want to meld all these benefits and take away any disadvantages that they've had. So, you know, just touching on the ones people commonly use, um, VPN, it, you know, the, the growth of the VPN market's been huge in the last say five years. I think, uh, By 2024, it's supposed to grow to over 70 billion uh, in revenue um, yearly, you know, and and that might just be in the major markets, but you've got emerging markets who are all using it. Um, And it's, you know, conceptually, it's very, it's quite a simple product. You basically sign up with a subscription and you're funneling your traffic or tunneling, I should say, your traffic to uh, a group of servers and they imitate that you're in a different location. So You are encrypted during that, um, but you know there's a few uh, disadvantages to doing that. You know, and namely that you don't get to keep full full anonymity because you're paying for the service, right? So typically people will pay with a credit card. There's very few VPN services now that offer a crypto um, payment. Although if they do, you still have to provide your name and details as a customer. And then you've got places like uh, India who've uh, now made it a lot stricter for those companies to um, operate. So uh, I, I talked to one of our team who was in India and, and he said, it's it's more of a guidance note now to the population. <laughs> it's not so much a law where you're going to be severely punished, but basically the government and the, um, you know, the, the Indian authorities, they just want to know they can find who the customers are if they ever need to. So, you know, you've got some levels of privacy. So with that Side of it, what we've done in Mask is we've taken away um, what we saw was the core um, weak point, which is central servers. So being a mesh network, this, the network itself can be um, thousands of users, if not hundreds of thousands. And all these different users are typically um, people who just are, are browsing, but also some of them are serving. So they would operate as a what we call an exit node. And that means that they're delivering traffic for you. So if I'm a if I'm a user and I want to browse on mask and say I want to go to to Twitter, it will um, hop hop through a few users and deliver the content for me uh, based on where that end user might be living. So if I'm somewhere where it's banned, for example, Russia, uh, I might be getting that traffic from someone in Japan, someone in Australia, you know. So we've gotten um, we've gotten that that concept from that. So we've removed the Personal identifiers because crypto allows you to do things with blockchain through permissionless uh, way. Um, with Tor, so we've you know, Tor again, we, we couldn't be here without the concepts Tor, uh, you know, and and the, the old Navy research um, group of people how they invented it, and essentially Tor was made to uh, mask, you know, for the lack of a better term, mask traffic uh, from, you know being any point on its pathway where it started and where it's going to end. So really, uh, they, some of the core concept of that's called onion routing, where if you envision an onion and you're peeling off the outside layer, there's another layer underneath, you know, that's, that's how it uh, is transported. So you might have your dot in the middle, which is the core and you've got three layers on the outside. So we, we adopt that concept too. Um, The weak point of Tor, again, it's a great tool. A lot of people use it, but it's got ways to be controlled, tracked, and restricted as well. So uh, with Tor, you've got a public list of exit nodes around the world, which are constantly updated. Um, And those are used because in their design, there's a part of the system which pulls from that directory where your route needs to be made. But if, you, if anyone in the world could see that list, that means the ones who don't want us to use it can see that list. So they can actively block it, which is, again, happening in that uh, Russian regime. They're blocking uh, exit nodes for Tor, and they're blocking ways that users can, can use it. But also Tor, um, you know, with the Onion network that they have, Onion sites, it's very identifiable. So anyone who wants to try and do things as if they're not doing something on tour it's it's easily identifiable that they're a tour user so we've mitigated that too because our traffic looks like typical traffic you know so if if i'm if i'm browsing and i want to go to a a website someone who pulled out a packet out of my um out of my data stream they could it's just going to look like a normal encrypted data packet it's not going to look like i'm using mask um unless you did some very very deep analysis. Um, but our ultimate vision is to make our traffic clandestine. And what that means is if someone did take a piece of data out from my stream, they will not know that I'm using mask because it's going to look like something else. It's going to look like uh, maybe a Zoom voice over IP call packet. It might look like a gaming packet from Call of Duty. It might look like an email, it might look like anything. So we can, we can masquerade it. And that's actually how we came up with the name. Uh, from mm. Mass Network was MASQ and masquerade. So yeah, can I tell the that story a, for us?
0: Can I ask a follow-up? So to the extent that you can divulge that, because obviously I don't want you giving away um anything that you can't, but at the same token, from my understanding, this is an open source project. How yeah. are you all able to do that? Is that is that like a technique that is contingent upon the users being able to serve as nodes? Um, how does that actually work that you're able to to hide those packets of data like that?
1: Yeah, so um, the fundamentally, um, it's, it's the way it's encrypted. And uh, so what happens when, so within MASK, there's its own protocol uh, of how traffic is sent. We, it's called the Cores protocol. Um, and it stands, uh, you know, there's an abbreviation uh, that's on our documentation. But basically, it's a way that the data is, is uh, encrypted. And then extra data can be put at the beginning or the end. So mm-hmm. the data packet can remain the same size. Um, tech on the technical level, one, one reason why tour traffic is more identifiable as is as the farther along a route you your data is handed off because each layer is pulled away. If you look at an onion, every layer you pull off the onion, the onion's smaller, right? So if you're trying to use data inspection to 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 analyze uh, traffic going back and forth, if you see a packet getting smaller and smaller and smaller. They're You're like, Hey, bing, bing, bing. Yeah. That's getting to a route. That must be a tour packet. Right. So um, the, way, the way we've done it is we put rubbish data, which is just a, a bunch of bytes um, at the start of the end to make that say that data look the same size all the way. Um, ah, and on top of that, elegant. we're going to, yeah, it's elegant. Right. And uh, I forget our tech advisor had a, had a way that he described that, Term. I'll have to look through my notes at some point. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't as uh, as um, elegant as I'm probably <laughs> saying it. There's a way you describe it. But uh, on top of that, we're, we're going to design it so the packet goes into someone's router through a common port. So another technical aspect of Tor and other things like that is usually they use a specific port where your router saying, I know this data coming through this port 1234 is for this protocol uh, when we masquerade our data at mask we're going to make it go through common ports that are used for other stuff so call of duty might use you know and some people who game on their PC you know how you might have to set up a port forward mm-hmm. call of duty might use every single user millions of users around the world might use port 5678 well if we just make our data go through that port no one knows that it's masked data until it's unencrypted in their machine using our software so it's quite elegant the way we've disguised things using common technology, but not in a way that breaks anything. You know, I think that's fundamentally our pathway to success is that we've made our, thing, our whole project interoperable with current technology. So you won't need to buy a special router. You won't need to buy uh, or do any special technical stuff. You just download the software and install it, and the rest is taken care of.
0: Nice. So that brings us back to the, the general user experience. So when somebody is is joining the mass network and, and they decide that, OK, I don't just want to be a user of this network. I want to help, you know, kind of like somebody who might use a file sharing service, you know, and they're like, all right, are you uh, once you're done downloading, you now can seed that information for others to to also be able to download it uh, more quickly. How does that work? Um on on the tail end of it, I I imagine this is like uh, an APK or a a download file that they need to to put on their, their computer. Uh, What's the compatibility of that? And also can somebody simultaneously be using the mask browser and also be, um, so let's say um, we're doing the zoom call right now. We get off zoom, uh, but I'm still open in the browser. Do I need to click some switch uh, to, to, turn myself or to enable the act of me actually being able to serve as a node, or does that happen dynamically when I'm not actively uh, uploading or downloading data personally?
1: Yeah, that's, you know what, that's actually a very, very good question because early on we realized that uh, users like choice, you know, some of the greatest softwares that we use every day, you can see that if they're rich with options... Then they can they can appeal to more users because users feel they've got power to control what they do, what they don't do, um, and just on, you know on a little tangent, I think that's why people uh, in general, te- you know, the, even the younger te- tech enthusiasts who uh, you know are coming up from our generation, they're appreciating privacy more and control over their own information more because they realize how powerful it is. So when they use software or use apps, they're, they're going to start thinking more and they already are, you know, what permissions does this app use? Mm-hmm. What information <laughs> am I, you know, on here? Yeah. What, you know, you probably look now, right. You're like, look at the app, Like, Oh, has it got permission to my mic? Can I turn it on mm-hmm. whenever it wants, you know, GPS? Um, so, you know, not, not to, uh, directly compare ourselves a lot to competitors in the space. But what we did notice is that a lot of competitors have offered two separate applications for some of their solutions, where one is for someone who wants to just use it and get the privacy browsing and get that, that borderless browsing and a separate software for someone who wants to be that node provider to share their bandwidth. So, and it prov- and it would require a little bit more technical uh knowledge to install that that other one. So what we've done, and thankfully it was sort of, it was functionally built into our our core software, is that a user can do both uh, with the same software. So you install one software, if you want to browse, you can, but if you want to serve the network and share your bandwidth, cause you know, maybe you do have a really nice connection and you're living in a fairly, what we consider quote unquote free country, you want to just help out the rest of the world, you can turn on serving and you would act as that routing and exit node for other users. Um, if you want, I can do a little screen share. Now I've got this. Yeah. Here perfect. With the, with the dashboard too. Please. That would
0: be great. All right. Cause
1: when you said, Hey, is there a button I can press? I'm like, how about I just show you?
0: <laughs> right on. The beauty of zoom.
1: Oh yeah. So hopefully you can see that screen. Definitely. All right, so um this is a standalone software itself. So I know you asked, it was actually a very good point. If I'm using Zoom and I maybe just want to browse with Mask, do I have to connect something? Do I have to change something? So at the moment, we've got an option in this software where I can make this uh, mask network traffic only in the browser within this window. I've turned it on, so you can see I'm on a globe. It's telling me I'm going through three hops and I'm ending in Denmark. So if I go to Google, it's probably going to give me a Google, Denmark, Google site. But what I've, whatever I'm doing in this window is through the mass network. So my Zoom call with you is still through the normal connection. Um, and you can see Netherlands. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this, this is the Google page from, from Netherlands. Um, if I want to change the traffic, I won't do it because it might disrupt our call, but I could mm-hmm. actually change my... My browser, uh, my mask setting to be system wide, and that would mean that every HTTP connection or data request on my whole machine will start going through mask. Um, and we're we're working at a few kinks with that because you know, openly there are some softwares that uh, don't play nice. Some of them need a custom port. You know, Discord, for example, uses a proxy. So there's a few a few things which aren't just right out of the box supported. But technically, you can use both options. Um, also cause we're on zoom, I didn't activate serving, but to answer your other question, let's say I'm, I want to share my connection. I want to help the network, but most importantly, I, you know, what's in it for me. I kind of want to earn a little bit of my sweet mask, you know, to run my browsing. I'll co I'll go to the serving tab and say, I want to serve and I'll click that and it'll activate serving for me and, and test my router, make sure I, I'm a stable connection. Um, and most importantly, I can choose, Various filters. So let's say I'm conscious that I don't want my node to be used for traffic that's you know undesirable or or malware or or maybe even adult you know adult related content. I don't want my my machine and network connection to be used for that. I can pick safe DNS uh, services like Cloudflare family, uh, like these other options, and those are there so I can actually control uh, what my node's being used for around the world. So. So, part of that user experience, we really, really thought hard about it, saying, "Well, what types of options do the users want? Which types of filters or or options do they really feel they would need to feel comfortable using something like this?" And that's kind of how we got to that. So, um, yeah, what you're seeing is a live a live experience on on the Mass Browser.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for for sharing that. And uh, it's slick for anybody that that they can't see this. It's Something that looks very familiar, but um, puts the choices that you need uh, right in in front of you. So, so I think that you all did a great job from from the user experience standpoint. Um, so, how about we do this? Let's go ahead. Let's take a quick break so we can get a word from our sponsors, and then when we come back. We will do the uh, over under section, and then when we finish up with that. We'll get into our alpha, and then we'll close it out and let uh, let you uh, give your, your your final words to the people before we get out of here. All right, sure so quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Calrie from Mask. Builders, beginners, degens, no matter who you are or what your experience is in crypto, we invite you to join us in the Alchemist community. We're proud to be a community-built project that brings together some of the most talented builders and passionate community members who are all here to support each other as we build world-changing products that promote a more open, fair, and transparent financial system. If you're ready to join the revolution, want to fulfill a role in our community, or just have questions about what Alchemist is all about, jump into our Discord and join in the conversation at discord.alchemist.wtf. For those that missed it, that's discord.alchemist.wtf. Join us. We can't wait to have you. All right, now we are back with Cowrie from Mask, and what we're going to go ahead and jump into is the over-under section. Y'all know how this goes. We'll throw out a couple of uh, buzzwords. Some, some, some might be uh, a little bit more uh, interesting than, than than others, given the subject matter. But uh, either way, we put we put the guest in the hot seat. So, you ready to begin? I'm ready. Okay, first one: VPNs.
1: Ooh, I'd say a bit uh, under underhyped today. You know, they offer a lot of uh, you know service protection and whatnot, um, but they have limitations, you know, and that's how, sort of why we're building uh, what we're building. But um, I guess they play a, they 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 play a part in the space. Um, we just want to get more people able to use that technology,
0: you know. Okay, um, cloud Wi-Fi. So things like uh, Starlink, Helium, those sort of things. Mm
1: uh underhyped for sure i think uh i've been very impressed by the way helium's grown like they've just got such a good uh user adoption rate um and you look at how much they've expanded uh to be honest we at mask would love to integrate that type of thing um a little actually a little maybe some people saw my tweets about it a little secret is i did get starlink and it's at my house and I've actually used it over mask. So really you could say it's mask link is live too.
0: <laughs> hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. All right, but yeah. uh, internet of things.
1: Ooh. I mean, personally, I think it's, it's, it's a little over hyped a bit. I, I mean, the use cases are there, but they're just, the, the rollout of them has been a bit slow. And I think We've had a lot of distractions. If you're talking about the crypto space, a lot of distractions this cycle was very, very focused on DeFi, very focused on yield. Um, And some of those things that are like probably things that we would love to use in real, real everyday stuff. Um, It's getting a bit under, you know, it's a bit unnoticed. Um, There's definitely some amazing projects out there. I mean, it is the future, but, you know, you go back to how is that such a thing going to work in a wide variety of devices and whatnot, I think decentralization has got to be a big part of it. Um, You might've seen the Cloudflare outage the other night or last night. I mean, if everything in the internet of things was all based on a very small amount of central servers and that must might've been the provider, well, Hey, all your, all your internet of things connections might just fall off because one provider didn't go. So, you know, it's I think it's got a future, definitely has a future. But at the moment, uh, I haven't seen as many of the use cases as we'd like.
0: Smart cities and smart grids.
1: Yeah, that would be so cool. I, I like. I really want to see it, though. Um, I was actually talking with a friend the other day about, uh, is it Charlie Shrem who's, who's got a, an island and he's building, uh, you know, like basically a, a crypto city or a small island where everything is Internet of Things and crypto. I think it's him. Um, That'd be cool. You know, if you visited a place like that, you'd probably not want to leave if you're someone like
0: us. (laughs) I'll just say personally, I'm. um, It's same with this crypto thing, right? It's, in my humble opinion, it's all about how it is executed because when you track Mm -hmm. everything, you track everything, and um, and I guess you know the, the the example that I often point to is kind of like the social credit system. That they have going on in certain countries and how people can mm-hmm. begin to get punished in a way that always follows them around because everything that they're doing is tracked and then associated with their biometrics, their gates, uh, all this other stuff. And, and, you know, when it's going well, it's very convenient, you know, but if the wrong people come in and, and start to, you know, enforce weird things based on this data that comes through, then uh, I personally think it, it, it could get uh, out of hand quickly, mm-hmm. personally. So no, uh, I
1: I do agree I got to agree with that. I think that's in a way that's what scares me a little about all the um you know the the governments of the world uh pushing for central bank district uh, central bank digital currencies because once that happens there's no going back right you know no. we've got to cash a cash society at the moment but cash isn't tracked and so you know once that happens there's no going back kind of let's say you piss off the wrong people man like you can't go by your you know, buy your beers from the gas station. They might've blocked you.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's wild. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're in this space and we get to, you know, have our, our little say on, 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 the way that the pendulum swings. So I think that's still oh, yeah. uh, NFTs.
1: NFTs. I mean, the use cases, you know, I always kind of think of use cases. You can see how I've, I guess, answered some of these. I think it's overhyped only because of what we've seen in the last cycle um with the rise of them and kind of the fall of them you know you see these uh these these big names with a lot of clout because of the ogs you know like board apes and crypto you know it's like a status symbol um i think what you're seeing now is the societal shift of what people perceive as valuable you know it, it, it the best nft communities and i have some i really believe in and think are great the best ones it's not because they actually are super amazingly made, although some of them look nice and whatnot the The people in the community give it value, you know, like it's almost like branded clothing, right? Why is Gucci three thousand dollars for a pair of pants? It's because society and a big group of people believe it is, right. Um, you look at precious metals, gold and silver, right? Gold is almost a hundred times as as valuable on the market as silver is, but silver has thousands of more. Um, manufacturing uses. So if you think about it, why is gold more valuable? Well, it's because as a society for thousands of years, we've been obsessed with it in a lot of ways, you know. Um, I don't want to sound like uh, Peter Schiff, but, you know, he's, he's cut <laughs> it down like for thousands of years. Gold has been like the epiphany of value in the human mind or the human perception. So what we're seeing is a lot of society shifted value perception on what they think is cool and and valuable and whatnot in that trade mechanism with the free market. But the the actual use case of NFT, I think, is underhyped in the sense that I think it has real ways to be used in society uh, with an ownership part. Like imagine if an NFT was a house. A yep. deed for a house yeah you know and you could just go boom it's 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 now owner of another person now they got hacked you know it's like someone shows up and this is my house that's when people it's start taking hardware while that. it's real
0: seriously <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know right but you know it could be uh something that really revolutionizes the way we we um design legal ownership of things and uh and something I'm keeping keep an eye on, too, related to that is that soul bound NFT mm-hmm. soul bound tokens that um, Vitalik wrote a, a paper on. Because, you know, imagine if you get a degree and that's, that's bound to you. You know, how do you recover it? That's the other part of the solution. But, yeah, I think it's, I'd say, I, mean, I don't know, am I allowed to do that over, under? I'm in the middle on NFTs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: no, 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 you elaborated on it. Uh, decentralized identity.
1: Yeah, that's big. I think it's under, well, yeah, I think it's under hyped. Um, it's getting a lot of attention. It's getting a lot of attention on, on uh, socials and, and projects trying to achieve it. How they will, I think, is still a little gray, you know, because it, it kind of relates back to like, well, what happens if you are holding a certain NFT and then it, it is moved to someone else that's not you anymore, right? Like, can you build a fake identity? and then pass it to someone. So it's kind of dependent on how it's um, trustlessly verified as being real. Um, But I think the use case and the way it should be used is important because, you know, in my mind, if it was a way where you could choose what personal information you share at any given time, that would be amazing. Because, you know, right now, what's your most sensitive information you have? Like, I guess in the states, your social security number would probably be one of the most sensitive uh, or medical information, right? Mm-hmm. So if you if you had all that stuff in one um, token or one representation of a digital ID, you don't want anyone getting that to see everything. So if you could filter it, I think that would be that would be an amazing way to to push that idea. So I think it's um, it's underhyped in the way it can be used. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of projects trying to approach it. I mean, I'm excited to see which ones actually really come out with a really good um, structure to see that that be used in everyday life.
0: On that note, I would say um, if you aren't super familiar, I would suggest looking into Luxo uh, from Fabian Vogelsteller and Majorie Hernandez. There was an interview that Fabian did with uh, Camilla Russo at the defiant oh, and he yeah. talks about um user profiles and, and kind of the obfuscation uh, or the abstraction of private keys and that sort of thing uh, to really facilitate uh, profiles that can follow you along um that are mm-hmm. on blockchain but but are a lot uh, have a lot less friction than than the way that they're kind of uh, handled these days
1: yeah i'll definitely look into that because I, you know, they're critical to web three though. I, I do feel, um, mm-hmm. and we, we kind of didn't, you know, talk as, uh, as much about web three, but it's, it's, it's one of those areas that a lot of people grab that term and say, Hey, we're doing mm-hmm. this in web three, but really web three is still so new. It's like not defined, you know, it's not actually defined exactly. And there's all these pieces of the puzzle that are still on the, on the table, not quite fit together, but I think decentralized ID is absolutely part of it and how you transfer, um, Maybe not so much a reputation, but like a verified uh, user profile between platforms, between Mm -hmm. pieces of Web3. That's going to be very important for the future.
0: I couldn't agree more. All right. So before we head out of here, if you could leave some sage advice and wisdom for (laughs) our listeners in this, what we call alpha.
1: Okay. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of these sections with different uh, people I respect in the space. So, you know. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to try and be a little different. Uh, yeah. But I think the number one, the number one thing is um, sleep faster. Arnold Schwarzenegger said that, you know, if you want to get good at something, you got to hustle, you got to pull extra hours. Uh, you know, my team laughs at me sometimes. They say, when do you sleep, mate? Because, you know, I, I do have children and they're like, how are you doing this stuff at different times? I've got a very supportive wife and you know, she knows what I'm doing, but I think, yeah, there is a level of hustle to get ahead in the space. Um, But those who hustle during the bear markets are the ones that become the next successful people. You know, the, you don't, you don't really get anyone can jump into something in a bear market, a bull market and, and say, yeah, you know, that was great. Look at, look at what I did because you've got all this hype and momentum behind you, but the real returns are what's built in a bear market or a downtrend. And when certain people lose faith and the uncommitted or undisciplined um, sort of fall off. But uh, the next few years, you know, depending on how this, this bear market plays out, you'll see a lot of washout of of the things that were um, hype-driven, vaporware, as I call them, you know, where there's mm-hmm. lots of promises and people jumped on saying, wow, this is the next sliced bread. It's amazing. And they just, you know, don't deliver. Um, each cycle, I feel people get more smarter. Well, you'd hope so, but they get, some of them get more smarter of what to identify as really solid uh, projects and use cases. But, um, but if you want to be a builder, this is the perfect time. Don't, don't let what the market's doing uh, discourage you. You know, If you think of it, markets, again, economic theory is a very important thing to even just read lightly about. But um, the, something in the market is valued by the majority. Right. The ones who are the innovators are the ones that see something in the minority or see something that the majority of the market doesn't see. And they develop a passion and a skill set around building it and they do it. And that takes off. So if you want to get involved in something now as a web three builder or as just a builder in the space of crypto, like don't be afraid to jump into something. Um try and and, and learn about it. Um, so th- what's cool now is there's so many DAOs out there that are just looking for. People to give time. You don't have to be an expert. Um, there's ways to experiment and try things. And and you know the down if you're jumping into a down they say, "I'd love for someone to do this." And then you you do the task, and they say, "Hey, it's not up to scratch." Like you know, that's learning experience, and that means the next time you do it, or the next DAO you join and try and contribute to, you're going to be better. Um, and I think that's why we've seen a rapid expansion of innovation in the space. Is that the younger generation, uh, you know, th- there's always this like, "Hey, Boomer, you know, you don't understand." <laughs> the Boomer generation's watching us um, clamber over each other for million-dollar NFTs, and they think we're crazy, right? Uh, but the real revolution that's happened is that the younger crowd has made a space for themselves. They're moving away from tra- traditional value-based skill sets you know, like you can go to a trade school and become a builder. Great. You know, that's very important. You can go to a university, get an expensive degree. Will you use it? Well, you see more and more successful people who just, they get to where they are without a degree, right? So this, this, now this new generation has seen the space that we're in with blockchain, web three crypto, and you can learn everything with the university of YouTube, Google foo. You can pretty much learn the basic skills that previously you had to be a data scientist to do stuff like this with computers. It's all built now with, with ways you can template it. So jump like my, I guess, summarize it, jump into something that you really feel passionate about. Don't worry if you fail um, because you know, you're going to learn along the way and uh, and just try and find projects that value um, value that value effort and, uh, yeah, you're going to have to sleep less, though. To get good at something, you're going to have to sleep faster, as they say.
0: <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Well, thank you, Kyrie. This has been awesome. Uh, I definitely think the people are going to love this one. Before we get out of here, if you could, please let the people know where they can find you, uh, where they can find masks, how they can support, how they can get involved. And, uh, and, yeah, that'll close it out for us.
1: Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. First of all, I want to give a shout out to you. Thank you for letting me come on board uh, the your podcast and share my thoughts and have some good questions and, and dialogue with you. Um, I've really enjoyed your your previous episodes with other uh, important people in the space. And thanks to Alchemist, too, for uh, building an amazing community. You know, part of what I said in my ending statement was um, definitely really, really valuable and core features I see in your community, in your DAO Uh, type organization where people can jump in and uh, contribute. So thanks to all of you. Um, We wouldn't be here without you. And you've helped us along the way too. Um, We really want to invite anyone who wants to learn more, come check us out. You know, the basic places to find us definitely in our discord, which is just discord.gg mask with a Q. Uh, You can find us in there, you can jump in and learn how to how to use that beta software I showed you today. You can um, contribute. You can learn how to how to you know run the node itself, the the software, um, and even just you know learn more about how how we're, our vision is is taking us into a real uh, Web three type of experience. Uh, follow us on Twitter. It's uh, Twitter dot slash mask underscore AI, and uh, support our token. You know I I feel like um, you know there's a lot of good opportunities out there in the space. We're one of them. Uh, take that how you will, but just a reminder: we're the we're the the Soul Crucible Polygon reward pools at the moment. If you mm. like that new brand, they're very, very. I love that new lo- uh, logo that Crucible made. Um, cool. Hop on there, go to the Polygon Network, and you'll see two of our uh, reward subscriptions there. I think they're they're doing very well at the moment, um, even with the market change. So that's another way you can get involved, but. Yeah, we love talking about all this stuff, uh, borderless browsing freedom. You know, if you have something you want to talk about, jump in, talk with us, uh, learn more, and um, hopefully see you all, you know, in the near future.
0: Excellent. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on, Cowrie. Thank you for shedding light on what you all are doing at Mask, and thank you for building it because it's definitely something that we need in this space. All right. So thank you. everyone listening. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of The Lab. Uh, I am Sabon Springer. It's an Alchemist podcast, and we will see y'all real soon in the next one. Peace.